What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I am Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarlane. And Dwayne, you and I were talking before the show. I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but it feels like it's been forever since you and I have sat and done this thing together. I know. I was definitely missing me some Marcus. Uh, you know, we have gone from doing two shows a week down to one. And then so when you skip one week, man, it's like two weeks without getting to hang out with you. So, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Uh, you know, if anybody like you're looking at my lips and they look really red, I'm just going to they are like I went to a music <laughs> festival this weekend and I apparently I got sunscreen really well done everywhere except on my lips. And so you're going to get to deal with that. So that'll be fun. All right. So uh, we'll make sure that uh, James gets some close ups uh the singles and stuff <laughs> just cracking so lips <laughs> see that see that for sure um we we got some stuff to talk about here i know we're still a little ways away from the nfl draft but kind of taking a pause on some draft things and looking at some wide receivers who could really break out or maybe go next level in their second year we had some good rookie receivers some intriguing rookie receivers and uh, Dwayne dove into some of the numbers and looked at some guys who could really take a step forward. And we'll, we'll sort of talk about uh, some of those guys, broke them down into uh, a different group of tiers. It's an article that uh, forthcoming, I believe, uh, on Fantasy Live. Yes. Is that yeah, yeah. It'll be coming out here in the next few weeks. I, I just went ahead and did the research today because I had redone, um, you know, my wide receiver model, which we covered, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, hey, I need to, because that model actually plays in – into this like so it's basically their first two years plus their college year i'm still using so for the first two seasons i'm still using the college model as well so it's something where once i redid that i wanted to replug these guys in and like see where they came out so there, there'll still be some tweaking between now and then but like all the broad strokes are there so I'm, I'm excited to dive into these guys it was a really good class last year not that anybody needs me to remind them but like <laughs> every time i go back and look at it i'm like good god like this is Pretty crazy to see how many really good wide receivers we had come out of the 2022 class. Absolutely. And looking forward to seeing what some of these guys have for 2023. But I uh, want to start with a couple of news and notes. It's a generally slower period across the NFL right now as everybody sort of gets ready for the draft coming up soon. But uh, some things have sort of been happening. Maybe the biggest piece of news recently, Allen Robinson. Uh, looks like he is on his way to the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of compensation. Really, kind of all that happens is the Rams move up about 17 spots. Uh, I think it's a seventh-round pick uh, that kind of go back and forth between Pittsburgh and Los Angeles. And on top of it, the Rams are willing to pay about $10 million of his $15 million salary with the Steelers picking up the rest. Uh, that's the nuts and bolts of it. But for fantasy, uh, Dwayne... Robinson's not really that far removed from a couple of big seasons, but man, last year in Los Angeles was not great. The year before that, his final year in Chicago was also underwhelming. Um, were those just a couple of blips on the radar or are we seeing the real decline of Allen Robinson as a fantasy asset? Well, I think anytime you got a receiver going into their age 30 season, um, you know, which is where Robinson will be. And you've, you've seen this decline starting to take place. I think it's, safer to I hate to say this but it's safer to go ahead and assume like the end has already like happened because a lot of times it's just a cliff and it's over and it feels like that could be the case with Robinson I, I will say to your point though um we aren't that far removed from some really good seasons and he's definitely had some injury issues um over the last two years so 2021 he was kind of playing off and on tried to battle through you know he was struggling with a rookie quarterback now, last year wasn't as much injury early on, like later in the season, obviously, it was, a, it was an issue. 
But early on in the year is really just more, well, Cooper Cup, <laughs> you know, gets every target from Matthew Stafford. And then uh, it's just, so it's tough. It's like, it's really hard to, to say for sure that he's done. But I will say like a lot of the data points we want to look like, especially for guys like that have missed games. Like I love to look at targets per route run because it kind of, it basically equalizes for games miss and snaps miss. But to your point, he had been a 24% and a 25% guy in 2019 and 2020. And then that's plummeted to 18 uh, targets per route run in 2021. And then all the way down to 14% last year. Obviously as that happened, his yards per route run went down. All of those things are down and his yards per target over the last two years. So even when he's getting his targets, you know, he has not been as effective, you know, so he was 6.7 in 2022, 6.2 in 2021. So he's really that kind of intermediate to underneath target, you know, possession guy really more at this point in his career. If he can do anything, it will be interesting, Marcus, to like see what they do. My gut would be, does he play inside and kind of play the big slot, like what we saw from Chase Claypool last year? Deontay Johnson's going to stay on the outside. Um, we'll we'll talk about, you know, Pickens here in a minute, um, the, the rookie wide receiver from, from last year. Like, but he's probably going to stay on the outside. But they like to run a lot of 11 personnel. That, and, and so if they stay with that, and then they've also got Pat Fryermuth, right, playing tight end, maybe Robinson is the guy that's going to play on the inside for them with Calvin, uh, not with Calvin, with uh, Chase Claypool gone. Yeah, I sort of wonder that too, him going to Pittsburgh, where he fits in there, because you mentioned Johnson there. Pickens is a guy they like that we know can be very athletic, very kind of dynamic for them. Pat Fryermuth has, has been a nice target earner. Um, I almost feel like does Allen Robinson sort of step in and in some ways play that, that role that Juju Smith-Schuster played for his last year or yeah. two there in, in Pittsburgh, kind of that guy who is, as you mentioned, kind of the chain mover, kind of that short intermediate uh, part of the field. Uh, I mean, that's not what he was earlier in his career, but obviously as the times change, you sort of have to adjust. Uh, you know, but I do wonder, I mean, you, you talk about his, his targets per route run, his yards per route run kind of coming down the last couple of years. I wonder, does he see uh, a little boost, maybe just by value of staying healthy? But I don't know that he gets a big bump overall simply, Dwayne, because of the number of other targets there because they still yeah. have to spread the ball around. It just feels like that number is not going to get a significant upgrade for him moving from L.A. to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they have a quarterback question still. We don't know for sure what we have in Kenny Pickett. Like, the best thing we can say about Kenny Pickett right now is he did have first-round draft capital last year. The second best thing we can say is that he didn't really turn the ball over a lot for being a rookie quarterback. But if you're talking about creating big plays, throwing touchdowns, all those sort of things, given the surrounding cast that he had, which was pretty decent, you know, it was an underperformance by Kenny Pickett. Um, so, and, and that's not to say that he can't, you know, eventually be a good quarterback in the league. I think that's, you know, obviously still just a big TBD, but it would be another question, you know, for Robinson. Um, and, and like I said, we'll get into Pickens here in a minute, but like Deontay Johnson's clearly the guy that earns the most targets there. You know, not to say somebody else can't take a step forward, but then it was really Fryermuth, then it was Pickens. And so like if Allen Robinson were to like move past someone, it's probably Pickens, but most likely just really maybe the four behind Pickens. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough for him to carve out too big of a role. I, I, I like I like your thought process, though, around Juju. You know, that was really the role that Claypool played last year is the role that Juju had played, you know, previously, except even a little bit, you know, more underneath a dot, which might be more suitable, you know, to Allen Robinson at this point in his career. But, but it's it, like you said, it's just tough to get too excited. It's like we're looking for any arrow pointing up. And for Robinson, unfortunately, most arrows are sideways or down. 
And uh, for whatever it's worth, it's it's a potential reunion with Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh again. Oh, wow, not that, I forgot not about that, that worked out so wow. great. That's another down arrow there, Marcus. So not not that that worked out so great the last time around, but uh, that appears to be the case there. Um, more news uh, this time in the NFC North. Dalvin Cook looks like his time in Minnesota is coming to an end. It's been rumored for a while that it was probably going to be a separation between Cook and the Vikings. Nothing official has really happened at this point, and apparently the Dolphins are maybe lurking to potentially snatch him up if he were to hit the, the free agent market again. Um, but I guess the first question is, you know, for Dalvin Cook, I mean, is Miami a good fit? Is there a better fit out there? For a guy who I think, think Dwayne is still very talented, can still be very productive, but just isn't really a fit in Minnesota anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be 28 this season. Um, they're paying him $14 million right now. That's like the fourth most for this next season. And they went out and decided to pay Alexander Madison like a top 20 option. I remember when he signed and we had that very conversation like, what is this just mean the writing's on the wall? We weren't for sure. Um, I know then we had our one show where we talked about some ADPs that we thought were wild. And we're kind of like, well, maybe there's some value here with Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's RB17 right now on underdog. Um, but yeah, it does seem like he's probably going to be gone. Um, like speaking from a talent perspective, where he's at from, from an age standpoint, like things could definitely change really fast for him, but he hasn't necessarily shown signs, you know, of just falling off. Um, you know, his, uh, missed tackles force per attempt over the last two seasons, 19%. That's what he had as a rookie, you know? So, I mean, you're looking at his explosive play rate. He's still been really solid above the league average every year over the every year of his career, really. Um, and he's still slightly above that. And he's a guy that his yards per carry themselves have not gone down. Yards after contact are still holding steady from where he was at in his year, second, third and fourth year in his career. So there's nothing we can see visibly like on the surface that just says, oh, Dalvin Cook is someone that can't play anymore. This one to me, Marcus, feels more like, well, you're probably getting close to the cliff. We don't have any money. We being the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> even though we've already made some of these other cuts, right? Like Adam Thielen and some other um, Eric Kendricks, they've made a lot of moves just to get to where they had any salary cap room, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room right now. So I feel like this is really just more of a numbers game for Cook. I think there's a good chance he still has another good season left in him. So if he landed somewhere like Miami, uh, to your point, where we know they don't have someone that clearly is, where it just feels like a committee, right? It feels like, well, okay, yeah, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, they're going to share. But if Dalvin Cook arrived, like, yeah, I would feel pretty good that he's probably going to lead the way, probably get 60 65% of the rushing attempts. But there's not a ton of landing spots like that. And that's the challenge for this rookie class, which we'll break down rookies next Tuesday when we come back to we'll do the rookie supermodel for running backs. Um, but that's one of the big challenges for the rookies as well. Like, okay, well, great. We start looking across the league at, at how everything looks now after free agency. And a lot of those plush landing spots where we're like, oh, there's literally no competition. Those really aren't there anymore. So now what you're looking for, there's a few of those spots left, but you're probably mostly excited about what kind of offense does he land on? What's the quality of that offense? And I think that's where the Dolphins also would be a plus because we know they can be one of the most explosive uh, attacks in the league. And he would have 15 touchdown upside, right? In an offense like that, if they're really clicking and Tua stays healthy. I just hope that if he were to go there, and this is all hypothetical right now, that you know they would sort of commit to him being something akin to a lead running back because if, if suddenly you still have Mostert and Wilson kind of hanging around and taking some of those opportunities, it becomes far less attractive for us. Uh, fantasy wise, I would make the bet that it would be Dalvin. I'm you with know, you, if, and, and, and if, his, if his eight, as long as his ADP 
stayed similar to where we are now. Uh, you know, he's RB17. Like, as long as he didn't shoot way up. Like, the way I look at Cook is like, look, he can still play. And he was just a, he was a first round fantasy pick last year, right? And it's, I know it's not always that cut and dry. There's a lot of running backs we avoid because they are dead zone backs and there's things about them we don't like. But his price is pushed far enough down where I feel like it's really priced in, you know, for him, yeah. given the fact that we think he can still play. So I think the biggest issue for Cook would be if he landed somewhere where we're like, oh, whoa, that's for sure going to be a split right? There's no way that they're just going to give him all the carries. I think with Miami, I'd be willing to take the gamble um, just because the other two guys really are journeymen, but it is, you know, one of those offenses where we know they can use the hot hand. So it's not to say he would clearly be out of the woods. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so obviously if he leaves Minnesota, that opens the door for Alexander Madison to step forward right now. He's the RB 36 on underdog. And, you know, when he's had the opportunity, I feel like he's played well, but in the, on the whole, I feel like it's it's limited sample size, right? Because this is a guy who in four NFL seasons has fewer than 500 total touches. He has primarily been a reserve back, just sort of that that insurance policy to Dalvin Cook. Um, is it worth taking the shot on him? You know, assuming he gets the number one job, assuming that the door opens for him, uh, is it worth sort of taking that? Certainly a 36, I think it is definitely worth the shot. That are, that, that ADP is not going to stay there, though, if if Cook leaves and Madison looks like he's the guy. Yeah, I think the RB36, like now's the time to probably be taking your shots on Madison if you're drafting. Like now's when you should do it. Because if they do release Cook before the draft, it's going to go up. And then you're going to have to be like, well, I don't know if I want to buy Alexander Madison now because like they may draft someone. And then it's going to go back down. So as long as Cook's still on the team ahead of the draft, like that's the time to draft Alexander Madison. If they let Cook go, then you're probably in a holding pattern to see what they do in the draft because it is a pretty nice class of running backs. Not quite as strong as I hate to, sorry, don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Not quite as strong <laughs> as what I thought it was going to be. Still a good class. Still a good, and as obviously Bijan sitting at the top is just, you know, really good. Um, and, and, and it, there's some depth to it compared to previous classes, but I, I, maybe I had my expectations set too high, but Having said all that, there's going to be plenty of backs go in the first three rounds. And so even if Dalvin Cook leaves, there's a really good chance that Alexander Madison picks up some company in the backfield. We'll just have to see, you know, what name is that and what round do they take them? Yeah, I, I have a feeling day two is going to be very heavy with running backs. And if if the Vikings really do let go of, of Dalvin Cook, I, I can't imagine they're just going to turn and say, hey, Alexander Madison, we want you to be this full-on workhorse guy i think somebody else is coming and i'm curious to see who it might be and uh and how that person might fit into the offense there uh, in minnesota so it's definitely something to watch over the next couple of weeks by the way this is the part where i always remind you to go to fantasylife.com uh, go sign up for the newsletter if you dare uh, always good stuff there each and every day coming into your inbox uh but be sure to check it out if you haven't already and uh, be part of the community join discord uh, you know, Dwayne does office hours, Peter Overzet, Ian Harditz. You can get a whole lot of information, just a chance to sort of connect with other like-minded folks there uh, over on Discord. Um, wide receivers, always fun to talk about. And, you know, once upon a time, we were always believing sort of in the year three breakout of wide receivers. But now as the position has evolved and we've got more talented guys playing it, uh, that breakout is coming earlier and earlier. So Dwayne did some research and looked at some guys who could really take a big step forward in year two, as he mentioned earlier, the article uh, coming a little bit uh, later. You can find that on fantasylife.com in the very near future. But in the meantime, uh, think of this as a sneak preview for those of you who listen to the podcast. So we appreciate you. Um, 
So let's let's start at tier one, uh, a group that you're calling future fantasy gods? Question mark. Um, the first two are guys we've talked about a lot over the last season. Garrett Wilson, who right now is the wide receiver nine. Chris Olave, the wide receiver twelve. The former Ohio State teammates. Um, Olave, we sort of know. I mean, we 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 know what his quarterback situation is, so I feel like we can sort of project a little bit more for Garrett Wilson. We're sort of just waiting, right? I mean, the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to get done, right? We still believe that. Um, like, we love everything else about him. We just we just need that quarterback piece to be settled before we can finally figure out uh, how much we love Garrett Wilson. But I, either way, both these guys, uh, I think, are going to go very, very highly in a lot of drafts this year. Yeah, and so purely from you know the way we're looking at it, even though we don't know what's going to happen for sure with the with the quarterback situation and – in New York, this just is looking back historically, right? So the way that this works, um, the first input is where they finished in the rookie supermodel. Then the next inputs are really from their first season and the, the inputs from the first season get more weight, right? Um, so the rookie, you know, what they did in, in college is worth less, but obviously draft capital, all those sort of things are tied up in there uh, in the rookie model as well. So like when you look at Garrett Wilson and you look at Chris Olave, like just to kind of make this simple, I'm just going to read you, and we have one more name. We don't want to spoil it. We have one more name in this tier. There are three names, but I'm just going to start by giving you, here are the comps for everyone we're going to name in this tier, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave included. Um, so these, and this is back to 2011, these will be the receivers that have basically done the things this trio has done, which is why it's so wild to me that they were all in the same class. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, and Doug Baldwin. Now, minimum, they had to at least participate in 35% of their team's routes. But I did push that down because I wanted to catch names like this. This these data points caught guys like Chris Godwin before they ever broke out. Uh, Tyreek Hill before he really, truly broke out. Amon Ross St. Brown when he had the nice end of the season and a lot of people said, oh man, it's just good TJ Hawkinson Kurt, man. <laughs> like this data said, no, 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 nobody. It's not. So it's a really good list. Like, and if you heard all those names, I mean, all those people have multiple, you know, top 24, top 12, you know, fantasy finishes. Everybody's a little bit on different parts of the spectrum, but a really good list of names of guys that we've been willing to draft, you know, uh, pretty much every year for the last four to five years, um, guys that we feel really good about. So it's just really great company. And so it, the, the next part of it is the PFF rookie receiving grade. And I actually wrote an article on this last year at PFF. I haven't updated it yet. I've updated some of the data, like getting ready for this, but I'll put that out over on fantasy life as well. It'll be part of this article. It'll all go together, but like essentially all these guys that were at least an 80 or above as PFF uh, receiving for PFF receiving grade as rookies. Like it's like a who's who's list. And then the next thing we look at are really targets per route run. And like all of these guys are up over 20, 22%. So Garrett Wilson's 23%. Chris Olave's 26%. And then the last thing is yards per route run. You have to be a little more careful with yards per route run because your quarterback really can impact you more there. The PFF receiving grade, what's nice about it, it's basically, okay, like once the receiver has the ball, they're targeted then like how, how much do they perform above expectation essentially is the way you kind of think about it. Um, so there's a lot that goes into that, that that's nice because it isolates away from quarterback. And then the yards per route run though, like if your quarterback's really, really bad, like and they miss you on 20% of the targets, well, you know, it's going to bring down your number some. So it's still a really powerful number, um, but targets per route run, like, okay, great, you earned a target. Like that's what we care about. We want target earners. But yeah, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, like, just 
their numbers are nuts. Um, you know, 85.9 rookie receiving grade for Wilson, 82.9 for Chris Olave, you know, and I already talked about the targets per route run. So like, they're just in great company, man. Like I could have just stopped talking after the list of names, but you know, <laughs> we're doing a podcast here and we got to keep right. going. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not quite that simple. The, the third name though, you mentioned in this list is one that that's interesting to me too, is Drake London, um, who we, we liked based on talent. Uh, obviously we, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense in Atlanta and, and how we were so frustrated with the way things Things went there between London and Kyle Pitts. But in terms of the model, uh, Drake London looks great. Now, we just need Arthur Smith. Maybe you need to email this to Arthur Smith or something. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how we how we get this to the appropriate parties. But at least in terms of all the data, uh, the arrow very much pointing up for Drake London in year two. We'll FedEx it. We'll FedEx it. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so... For the rookie supermodel, and so again, this is, uh, I recalibrated it this year, but 86th percentile, and so if folks heard us talk about Quentin Johnston, you heard us talk about, um, you know, some of the other, uh, well, we, we actually, we talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba, we talked about uh, Jordan Addison, we talked about all of them, like, so you guys can go back and check that episode out, it's like three ago, I think, but Drake London, like, would be still, like, in, he would be in, like, the top two right? If he was in this class, he was in the top three of his class last year, as far as his rookie supermodel grade. And then 85.3 PFF receiving grade. That's actually above Chris Olave. It's just behind Garrett Wilson, 27% targets per route run. That's actually number one out of all of the rookies last season, 2.07 yards per route run. And you heard me mention earlier how yards per route run can actually be, you know, that can get drugged down by quarterback play. It's not like Drake London played with great quarterbacks. So London really played great. It was to your point. He was in an offense overall that wanted to run the ball a lot. There were some quarterback challenges, a lot of different things going on. But when I look at that offense, like it's really just him and Kyle Pitts. I don't worry about anyone else right now coming in and stealing all the work. And even if they stay run heavy, if their quarterback play takes, you know, even just a little bit of a step forward, I think there's a chance Drake London's a value right now at wide receiver 24 because he actually profiles more similarly to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave than differently. So if you're a dynasty player and like you're really just you're you're like 80 percent, you're in on the talent profile, right? 20 percent is situation and year to year, like we might be more 50 50, right? Well, 50 percent of it's a situation this year. Um, but. Remember, situations very unpredictable. Last year, we th we knew that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were uh, really good players, and we were just worried about Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Well, what happened? Like they still ended up being values. Now that doesn't work out everywhere. Um, DJ Moore got the opposite end of that. It's 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 really tough to really dig through all these things. But I will say, at, from a talent perspective, like Drake London is definitely there, and I think he's a buy in Dynasty just based on this you know, information that we have alone, I'm, I'm, you know, you don't want to go out and like sell the whole farm for him, but like, right. I don't know. I might just because like, I mean, we heard the list earlier and, and I don't think people are thinking of him the same as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I think people are thinking of it as, you know, a separate tier. Well, and I think, again, you go back to situation, you talk about the quarterback situation and the offensive situation. And I think that's why maybe we aren't thinking about him in the same, the same okay. vein, which I think is a, a great way to get into tier two, which are guys you're calling great capital, limited sample, and Christian Watson at the top of that list, right? And and the way he ended the season just absolutely on fire, uh, certainly made us excited for what he could be. But you talk about situation, right? Again, we go back to we're all assuming that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay, that he's going to be playing for the Jets, and that it's going to be Jordan Love 
uh, as the quarterback. And, you know, look, everybody around Jordan Love, around the Packers, saying he's ready to go, he's ready to be their quarterback. Uh, no shade on him. He's not Aaron Rodgers, you know? He's not a Hall of Fame, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to do it. So for Christian Watson, it's a, it looks like a thing where the numbers, Dwayne, look like they're really great. The data looks like it's really yeah. great. But he does come into that with some question marks, not of his own making at this point. Yeah. He battled some injuries, so we don't have as big of a sample as we have with some of the other guys that we just talked about. But, like, he's he's honestly like a tweener. Like, you could almost just give him his own tier. Uh, he was borderline getting into tier one. But, like, if you look at his his grade, you know, in the model was 78th percentile, you know, before last season. And then if you look at his PFF rookie receiving grade, 77.8. So the cutoff to be in tier one is 80. So he just barely missed that. The other two metrics were good enough to be in tier one. Uh, he had a 24% targets per route run. That was number three out of all of the rookies that we're talking about here. 2.26 yards per route run. That was number two out of all these rookies. So he's a guy that we've seen Marcus be able to do everything as well. Like, so like just when you watch him play, you're like, oh yeah, he could take a slant to the house. Oh, he can take a bubble screen to the house. Oh, he can just burn double coverage over the top. And so he really has all the different things that you want. And he's still by a lot of accounts by people that just, you know, really grind the film. Like he's still a raw player. Like there's a lot of things about him that feel that, you know, like Matt Wadman will t tell you he's the wild child. Like, so like he's just, there's still parts to his game that he can refine, but he already did all of this last year. So um, yeah, when I look at Watson, like he's a guy that if you drafted him last year in your rookie drafts where you got him, you're probably really loving it. Um, and there's a lot of upside here. I would not be surprised if he's in tier one next year. We come back and we do this show and we talk about year three guys. Like I will not be surprised at all. If Christian Watson is up there now to your point, Jordan love, we do have a question, you know, about that, but and most of these rankings here are really more just around their talent profile. And so it's kind of slanted towards, you know, your, your dynasty type drafts and stuff like that. But it's also really good for redraft because we know the talent is there and that still is absolutely the number one thing that we care about most. And so Watson was very close to being in tier one. So next guy on this list, uh, Traylon Burks, a little bit of a gap between Watson and Burks. Yeah. Um, this was a guy that, you know, people sort of said he was, uh, call it what the, the target version of AJ Brown, if you will. Um, you know, you, you saw Brown in that list of guys who were 80 plus uh, in terms of their PFF rookie grade. Uh, Burks didn't quite hit that number, but uh, a guy with, as you mentioned, a limited sample size, put in some decent data, which, uh, you know, look, I, I don't know that he's going to be AJ Brown, but I do think that the there is reason for optimism with what we saw from him in year one. For sure. Um, and he had a really strong grade coming in as a rookie. He was in the 89th percentile. Like, so he was, he's above, he was above everyone we've talked about the way he graded out in the model. Now these guys were close. Wilson was 87th percentile. Chris Olave was 87th percentile. Drake London was 86th percentile. But the point being like they were all in tier one together last year when we were doing rookie drafts. Um, you know, so he still had that. He battled the injuries. Um, you know, first, first it was the lower body injuries that kept him out. Then he, well, remember early on, it was the conditioning stuff. We didn't know, did he have asthma? Was he not in shape? We, you know, that was all the, the thing around mini camp and then training camp. And then obviously we picked up the concussion just when he started getting going and he missed, you know, some games with the concussion late in the season. But it felt like he was like right on the brink, Marcus, of like potentially having that breakout that we had seen from the other guys. 
But yeah, just below, you know, 73.9 PFF rookie receiving grade. So that's below, like you mentioned, there's a gap there between him and Watson at 77.8. But he hit the thresholds we want for all the other things. 21% targets per route run, and then his 1.75 yards per route run. And again, like he had major quarterback issues down the straight down the stretch. If you guys remember, Tannehill was not himself, you know, late. And we had several games where we had Josh Dobbs starting games. Um, you know, we have Malik Willis out there running around, you know, and Tannehill, when he was playing, he wasn't very healthy at the, end of the, at the end of the year before he got knocked out again. So there are some definitely some factors that can be going into the yards per route run. But overall for Burks, like he's a tier two guy. He's also potentially someone you can buy low on, you know, because he, he didn't score enough fantasy points because of being injured, being in and out of the offense. The offense itself wasn't great. So a lot of times this is the kind of profile like you can target. And you can say, wow, like all the underlying stuff was there. He didn't really do anything, didn't score a lot of fantasy points. But the underlying data points line up with guys that turned into fantasy producers in the future, in the future parts of their career. So he he checks all those boxes. And, and Burks, man, he's just, I just, I hope he stays healthy all this yeah. year. Um, you know, he had a lot of noise last year coming out too because he caught so many balls in college behind the line of scrimmage from the slot, stuff like that. So we had a lot of questions about him. But for me, I thought he answered a lot of those. He mostly played on the outside. Um, he showed that he can catch, you know, more of the intermediate and underneath stuff. He still worked deep some. So I was very encouraged by what we saw from Traylon Burks, considering everything that he had to deal with. And he's wide receiver 39 right now. Like, I think that's priced, you know, there's plenty of upside from wide receiver 39. Uh, for Traylon Burks, he could easily be a wide receiver two this season. Well, and considering what is left on the, the roster in Tennessee, at least as of this moment, he is undoubtedly the wide receiver one there yeah. in Tennessee. Uh, I know we like Chiga Conquo maybe to take a step forward, but, but he's not going to command that level of targets. You know, and then there's still those rumors that maybe Derrick Henry isn't going to be there, which completely changes the look of the offense. And so it, it ends up being potentially a favorable situation for a guy like Traylon Burks to go along with uh, the data points suggesting he could, he could take a step forward. Um, Jamison Williams lands in this, in this category here, in this tier, I would assume this is primarily based on his college numbers. Cause we, you know, because of the injury, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him until December. Uh, but I know his, his rookie numbers were, or his, his rookie, uh, you know, model numbers were actually really, really good. And I would assume that's, that's how he gets in tier two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was 85th percentile, so he would have been in tier one. That's the cutoff for tier one guys going back historically, um, did not have enough route participation to ultimately get grades here. He was only out there for 6% of Detroit's, you know, pass plays last season. Um, I mean, his targets per play were touchdowns, uh, you know, or they were long plays. Can't remember if he had two or one now, but, uh, yeah. He had one touchdown. He had a, I think he had a long one that was called back or, for some reason. Yeah, I think that's what it was, too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But um, it's mostly, yeah, based on the fact that, you know, this is a guy that graded out really well in the, in the, in the collegiate model, you know, as a rookie, has the first round capital, was the number what number 12 pick last year. Um, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is the dude there as far as probably who's going to lead the team in targets. But after that, like it could be, you know, Jamison Williams as the number two. So we'll see what happens. There's been a few rumors that, you know, do the Lions take a tight end? Do they take another wide receiver? Um, in the draft so he could get a little bit of additional competition but overall again this is talent profile stuff like Jamison Williams is a guy that I still really love um, and I think he does the type of things that NFL offenses want right he is the guy that can change the game on any given play um, but he's also a guy in college that we saw able to work underneath and break stuff too wasn't just a deep gadget or or I shouldn't say gadget but just a stretch the field vertical guy 
this is the guy that could, you know, really play underneath as well. And I wouldn't say underneath, but in the intermediate routes. Um, and he can be a threat from anywhere on the field. So I really do like Jameson Williams. Yeah, and I, I do think a, a big big things are coming for him this year. I've heard the talk that maybe the, the Lions do draft a tight end or another wide receiver. I would think, though, that something like that happens maybe later on day two or into day three, that this team has to focus on the defensive side of the ball primarily. They were... Yeah. They were pretty awful there. I think that's where they spend a lot of their early draft capital uh, in this draft coming up. Uh, over to Tier 3, guys, you you labeled as slow starts but could still come around. Uh, three names here. Just kind of want to hit them kind of as a group. You got Jahan Dotson, uh, who flashed at times with the Commanders. George Pickens, who I think is interesting because he's sort of like a human highlight reel. But I think when you drill down deeper than that, there are some inconsistencies. Uh, and then Wandale Robinson, who we like. But again, injuries sort of hampered. Uh, his rookie season there, but just your your, your thoughts on on that trio of the hot of Dotson, Pickens, uh, and Robinson. Yeah, and they're all a little different, but I do think they go in this tier together. Like Dotson is a guy that last year, because of the draft capital that he got, like he moved way up in the model. Like if you so I run two versions of the model, one with draft capital and one you know without. So like if you're looking at all of the guys last year, um, because right now I've got it sorted, you know, by, you know, where they graded out in the model. And so the first column I've got, oh, draft capital included. And the second column, there's no draft capital. Like he's by far the lowest wide receiver when you exclude draft capital. Like, so like the model basically said, Jahan Dotson probably wasn't a first round pick last year is what it says. Um, not saying our model's always right, but you know, our model, our supermodel has their own opinions. So, you know, we'll just <laughs> let them have them. Um, so that was a little bit of a, a red flag. So 81st percentile in the model with draft capital included, though. So the, the ultimate final grade is with the draft capital included because NFL teams, let's face it, they kind of know what they're doing. Um, you know, they're grinding the film, doing all that, and the draft capital represents a lot of different things. It's the, still the biggest factor in the model. So that's a driver. Um, but the 74 PFF rookie receiving grade was still really good. The problem for Dotson just was not really able to demand targets at that next level. 15% targets per route run. We'll even give him a little bit of a pass on the 1.39 yards per route run because there were a lot of quarterback issues in Washington. Pickens was very similar. Slightly worse in a PFF receiving grade. Looked better on film, maybe, like because he's the guy that makes all the great catches that we all love. Um, in the rookie su supermodel, he was a 74th percentile guy, so he would have been in Tier 3 this season. Um, you know, if you go, if you want to go check out the model over, over on the site, you can see what all those guys look like. But for again, 14% targets per route run, 1.38 yards per route run. It by no means was a terrible season for George Pickens overall. Like if you just go and look at, you know, he had over 800 yards receiving as a rookie, but he did not demand targets at a high level and that the model cares a lot about that. And so right now he's wide receiver 34 on underdog. I think he's like a tad a tad overpriced. Jahan Dotson's wide receiver 42. That's probably about right. Don't mind throwing some darts on him. I still want some exposure to George Pickens, but he's just a name for me, Marcus, that I don't click on him a whole lot. Wondell Robinson is really just more of a long-term thing, right? Right now, he tore his ACL in December, so there's a chance we don't see the version of Wondell we even saw last year in his second year. So this is really more of a dynasty take, but if we were just using his data points that we had and we're saying long-term, where does Wandell really fit? Like he goes in this tier three. He was solid as far as being able to earn targets. He was 81st percentile in the model last year. He was definitely, he was also one that was definitely helped by draft capital. Uh, whenever he got the second round grade from the giants, when they took him, um, not a guy that can do everything on the field, really more of a role player, right? He's an under underneath receiver gadget guy, really good run after the catch. You can line him up in the backfield. Some there's a lot of different things you can do if you're a creative offensive coordinator, 
but I wouldn't say that he's a guy that I would just, he, he really probably needs to be in the right place for him to continue to move forward. But all the raw data was really good around Wandell. Well, I say really good. It was good enough to be in tier three for Wandell Robinson. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, that people like basically on, on what his ability could be. Um, you mentioned the injury, which you know, makes it very tough to see what he can do this year. Also, he's he's in an offense. I keep joking. It's it's if you want the all slot receiver offense, the New York Giants are probably the team for you, because um, that's that's kind of what it's looking like in terms of their their personnel this year. Um, real quick, want to get into the, to, to tier four kind of briefly because you got two guys here, um, Sky Moore, Rashid Shahid, and you want you want to talk about a guy who has a hive, right? The Sky Moore hive is really strong for a guy who really struggled to get on the field um, and and do anything with his opportunities. Meanwhile, Rashid Shahid was able to get on the field, and he just seemed like a big play waiting to happen, but the consistency wasn't there. So, uh, you know, just your your brief thoughts on on kind of what these guys have to offer at this point. Yeah. So with Moore, you know, he graded out pretty well in the Supermodel last year, seventy seventh percentile. Um, Rashid Shahid was 13th percentile, right? So the, the, the opposites here, like more graded out really good in the model, couldn't get on the field, despite the fact that the chiefs didn't really have a lot of competition for him. Marquez Valdez Scantling never really did anything. Juju was a disappointment overall last year. Justin Watson was out there having to run a lot of routes and Kadarius Tony was hurt a lot. So the fact that sky Moore, despite all those things was not able to carve out more playing time really hurts. Now, um, his 70.0 PFF receiving grade is good enough that like we've seen guys in that range, they can turn it around 19% targets per route run. Kind of same story. We've seen guys turn that around 1.50 yards per route run. I'll just tell you, that's not good when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes, it's fine. Um, but it should be better, but his comps, I think give a really good, um, story for him. And so Randall Cobb's a guy that we saw kind of look like that early on that ended up having some nice fantasy years after. Didn't necessarily turn into the guy that many of us maybe hoped, like after he broke out in year two. It was kind of like Randall Cobb was headed for stardom. That never really worked out. Now, injuries were a big part of it. But the other names that fit in this list with Sky Moore are Kiki Kuti, uh, Vincent Brown, Jeremy Curley. Uh, I mean, so if you think about it, like these are – there's – there's some guys here that didn't work out like at all. And there were plenty of those. And then the comp list is longer than this, but I mean, Cobb is the one that you're looking at that. You're like, okay, like there's still hope here. He does play with the chiefs. So that's part of the story you're telling yourself is that well, he plays with Patrick Mahomes plays with the chiefs. These numbers say, Hey, so you're telling me there's a chance. And well, if I'm going to say there's a chance, why not bet on this offense? Um, you know, even though we know Justin Ross right now is making a lot of noise with that team and he graded out better or not better, but he graded out pretty solid in the model last year as well, before we put draft capital in because he went undrafted. Um, but then Shahid is kind of the opposite. Didn't grade out well in the model, but in his limited playing time, like just to your point, he just went nuts. He had a 78.6 PFF receiving grade, 18% targets per route run. Isn't going nuts. That's okay. But his 2.59 yards per route run was really good. So he's a guy that can attack vertically down the field. Can he develop the other elements of his game? I think that's the next question for Rashid Shahid because we'll see a lot of guys that can have that, that have that vertical element to their game, but they're a 17, 18% targets per route run guy. And they're those, you know what they are. You know what they look like, Marcus. They're the ones where it's kind of like, well, I just hope he scores a touchdown this weekend, you know, because one catch can be 40 yards and a touchdown. That's kind of where we are with Rashid Shahid right now, but he's such a, you know, young player. Like, if he can develop into more, I do think that there is something to like right now. He's wide receiver 67 on underdog, so he's still really cheap. 
you know, as to, as to where you're getting him. Um, we'll see what else the Saints do. I mean, he's obviously got Chris Olave. That, that's tough playing in front of him. And then Michael Thomas, you know, restructured his deal. So Shahid also has a – he's got a tough path to playing time, but the underlying numbers were solid. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there is going to be a challenge for him getting on the field consistently. We'll, we'll see what version of Michael Thomas comes back to play this year. But um, he at least popped at times last year, so it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, tier 5, Tier 6, any, any names here that, that you feel like are worth sort of mentioning uh, in these last couple of groupings here? Well, I think um, Romeo Dubs, like, you're at least just stashing him still in Dynasty. You know, he, he had one thing working for him. His, his 21% targets per route run was really good. His PFF receiving grade, his yards per route run were really wide receiver six worthy going back to 2011, which is not good, especially when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers. But he did have the 21% targets per route run, so it's enough to kind of keep you hanging on. Justin Ross, um, you know, he finished 21st percentile on the supermodel because he went undrafted. But if you go back and you look at him without draft capital or – a lot of people thought he was going to be a second round pick. Like he would have been between 70 and 80th percentile in the model last year. And now we're hearing a lot of buzz about him. Patrick Mahomes was talking about him in a video yesterday. So I just wanted to mention him um, because he actually grades ahead of several guys that are in this class. If you look at him without draft capital and he's a guy that's just had to battle through injuries. Um, and so we don't know, hopefully that's not, is maybe it's something he can still overcome. Um, but the injury profile is pretty rough for him, but he's a guy I like keeping stashed. And then here's some, this is just a list of guys, Marcus, really quick. We won't go into in depth on any of them, but just to mention them, like the data is not good. So they did, these guys did not even click a wide receiver five level number and their rookie profiles were not strong enough to say, keep hanging on. Now, if you're playing in a super, you, you know, what kind of dynasty league you play in, you know whether or not these guys are cuttable or not. But I'm just telling you right now, these guys do not hit very often based on the data. So Alec Pierce, Tyquan Thornton, David Bell, Khalil Shakir, and Jalen Tolbert were all guys that really did not perform well. Um, none of the numbers looked good for them. Hmm. All right. So uh, those are the guys deeper down the list. Top, tier six, which I failed to mention, uh, you know, channeling a little Tom Petty. It's time to move it. Yeah. Time to move on. It's time to get going. <laughs> with what the, lies ahead? Well, we kind of have a way of knowing, but you know, <laughs> exactly. uh, I did. I did get a chuckle out of that when I read that uh, on on the rundown. So um, I ran out of time. I meant to go. I was gonna actually go back and name all the tears Tom Petty stuff for you, but yeah, just oh. I ran out of time. So the last one, you got the last one. There you go. We at least, we at least got one, so it, it was it, it made it a good day. It's all it's absolutely worthwhile. So um, names definitely to keep in mind. And again. Keep a lookout on fantasylife.com because there's an article sort of forthcoming that that explains maybe a little bit more in depth about some of these guys and, and why you should or maybe should not like them uh, heading into 2023. Uh, so next week, uh, we're back to the supermodels, right? Running back supermodels next week? Supermodels are back. Yes, we're hitting. It's done. The running back supermodel is done. Like it's been, it was another one that I redid. So it took like two weeks to get it all done. Um, so it's like drum roll, like it has to be really good now, now that it took, I will tell, I just, I will tell people like it, I was pretty impressed, like with it, like the hit rates and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about sharing it. Um, I already sent Ian kind of a sneak peek, uh, over in discord and, uh, he, he was vibing on it. So I'm, I'm ready to get it. So I'm writing it now, finishing up writing it tomorrow. It will actually come out. The article form will come out later this week. Uh, it'll be in the newsletter and on the site on Thursday. Beautiful. All right. So something to look forward to, and we will uh, break it down here on the pod 
next Tuesday. We will be that much closer uh, to the NFL draft. So it feels like a good place to put it down for the time being. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Fantasy Life podcast. Be sure to again go sign up for the newsletter at fantasylife.com. Poke around on the site, find all the good, interesting, fun information uh, and analysis that we have over there as well. For Dwayne, I am Marcus. Enjoy the week, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon.